This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Ten people are dead and dozens of others are injured after explosions on the subway in St. Petersburg, Russia. We have just learned that the authorities have determined that this was a terrorist act. Uh, and there are indications that ISIS is to blame. I'm here with terror expert Ross McLean. Hi, Ross. Thanks for joining us. Oh, good to be with you here, Libby. Okay, so what do we know about this? Well, the, the information is actually coming out rapid and it's developing very quickly. Uh, as you stated, the, Russia is treating this as a terrorist act. They, they have actually uh, published CCTV images of the suspect, they believe, who planted the bombs. So they're out there. They're looking for him. We have uh, a report of 10 to possibly 12 people who have been killed and maybe 50 injured with this. And perhaps one of the other key things is one of the bombs did not detonate. They've apparently found, uh, claimed there's three bombs placed, mm-hmm. uh, one that exploded or maybe two went off in a train that was in the, in the middle of a tunnel between stations. And a third uh, bomb was found, uh, built out of a briefcase. Uh, and I've actually seen a picture of, of the bomb and how it was built. It's, uh, it's got two canisters with explosives in it and two big bags of uh, what can best be described as BBs or ball bearings. So those sort of bombs and the way that they were built, the, the Russian terror experts will be looking at that for the signature of who knows how to build those type of bombs, uh, where the parts of the bombs were built. Looking for fingerprints and every other sort of thing on the bomb. Does that sound a little bit like the Boston Marathon bombs? It's close. Those those were done uh, by putting the same sort of thing inside of pressure cookers, and and the idea behind this is, and this is perhaps the uh, the lowest, most uh, morally terrible part about this. Those bombs are designed to injure and wound people. That's why they, they put them in with shrapnel. They, they just assume injure as many as they can. So there's people walking around with injuries, wounds, and scars for the rest of their lives that put the signature on these attacks. It's really uh, morally uh, terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, th- there had been some reports that uh, there were uh, some incitements, I would say, out uh, on the Internet calling for an attack like this. We always have uh, ISIS uh, promoting and asking for terrorist acts to take place. They do it in their magazines. They do it on their websites. We have not seen, as of going to air right now, a claim uh, by ISIS over it, although there is a lot of action going on Twitter from, from ISIS supporting accounts talking about this is another lion who has done a good thing uh, for the caliphate and a lot of celebration about it by groups that normally support ISIS, although not a claim at this point. How how are these people still on Twitter? <laughs> it's a good question, isn't it? It's, I mean, it's a really good question. Uh, you know, you and I, whenever we type anything, put it in, well, well, let's let's think twice before we send that in case we say something, we make a mistake or whatever. But I mean, it is, it really is something else. But I keep hearing about people being pulled down from Facebook, pulled down from Twitter. So how do they get away with not do you know with still being there? 
Well, I will tell you this. There's there's one thing that we know that the intelligence agencies do, though. They know how to lock on to uh, these people sometimes and find out where they are and build an account of who the, who the supporters are and where they are. But, you know, perhaps a lot of these accounts are coming from behind uh, uh, countries, in, in countries where there's, you can't get the service provider to tell you who's, you know, whose account it is and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think there's any reason uh, why Russia would have been the target at this time? Well, this is the interesting thing. My first thoughts on this in talking to some people was this is either going to be an ISIS-related attack or perhaps uh, out of Turkey. There's a lot of terrorists, of course, in Turkey that have issues with Russia. And Russia and Turkey have, a, of course, a, an on-again, off-again relationship, what with one of their jets being downed by Turkey and with uh, Russia uh, blowing up some of their troops when they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. So uh, that's the question, although this one certainly has more of the markings uh, of ISIS. There's no claim, though, and it wasn't a suicide, mm-hmm. uh, which we typically see. But I've also seen a, a bit of a habit sometimes with these uh, more top-level skilled people. They're not the ones that off themselves with it. They leave yeah. the bombs and they go away another day because there's, there's a skill set to doing the bomb building. So we're going to have to wait to see who claims it, but uh, Russia will be all over it, and they'll have the signature figured out on this one, I think. Okay, I'm going to give the numbers out again. I'm sure that our listeners have comments and perhaps questions for you on this. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. I'm here with terror expert Ross McLean. We're talking about this bombing in the Moscow subway this morning. Okay, so when you have one attack like this, do you have to be kind of uh, on very, very high alert afterwards for copycats, similar acts? Absolutely, and that's what we're seeing with this, and Russia is very cognizant of that. In fact, uh, when the bomb went off, the one that went off in the subway tunnels, other other uh, Russians and people who were there uh, rushed into the tunnels to go save people. And my understanding is in interviewing some of the witnesses, they were there helping people, knowing that any second their their life was going to end because the follow-up bomb goes off, which sometimes happens. Now, it turns out that it appears that there are three different bombs placed in three different places here. They have So they've locked down immediately. The entire subway system in, in St. Petersburg has been locked down, and they've tightened down every other transportation hub, which, as, as you know, St. Petersburg is on the bucket list. They've got a lot of tourists. There's a lot of people that go there. They've got ports of call there. They have planes that land there. They've got some beautiful things there. And I'm also going to say that this should be of note. Where the one bomb went off was outside what's called their technical institute, their version of MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. It was, you know, developed in the 1800s. They opened that institute up and they have some of their top scientists that are there. That's where they do their work on agriculture, bombs, um, IT, everything. That's their top science college. That's mm-hmm. right there where that bomb went off. Okay, so th- perhaps that's not uh, that's not a coincidence either. It could be either as a, as a target or somebody from there. Yeah, to, to mm-hmm. get someone or perhaps to take out some scientists or send a message. I mean, the other thing of note is Vladimir Putin was in St. Petersburg that day. He was meeting the Belarusian president, so this was an announced visit that he would have been there. So this would have been something known. Perhaps that has something to do as well as on choosing the date and time for uh, dropping this bomb off. And don't forget, uh, Putin is from St. Petersburg. He spent a lot of time in St. Petersburg. That's that's his town outside of Moscow. Mm-hmm. And uh, does that mean anything in particular for us here in North America? 
Yeah, we, we have, you know, we've got concerns when you look at it, Libby. Uh, you have to, I have to say that we basically have a world at war right now, but it's not a conventional war. You know, the conventional war is everybody puts on their uniforms and marches up in lines and goes and you know what they're fighting over and they're taking land. But we're seeing now uh, these sort of uh, low-tech terrorism attacks uh, that are being done. We're seeing people used as human uh, bombs. We're seeing... Um, economic attacks on on countries we're seeing cyber attacks coming up next week there's a there's a day i'm not sure which day it is coming up i just checked it this morning where they're going to be attacking all the israeli sites they possibly can because everybody who's for palestine is going to attack every israeli website they can and they do it every year for doing it so we're really seeing unconventional warfare going on uh, all around the world right now mm-hmm. uh and um what do you think that our level of threat is here? You know, our level of, you know, Canada is an interesting place. It's an interesting place because we, people use, uh, terrorists will use countries to uh, raise money to fund their terrorism back home. They will also sometimes commit terrorist acts in certain locations. We, of course, have access to the United States, so people would want to come here to be able to gain access to the United States. So it's something that we cannot take uh, lightly here. We, we just, you just can't take it lightly anymore. And it's really, it's, I think it's, we're getting to a pretty sad place. I'll tell you something else we have to watch for is uh, President Trump is going to be meeting with uh, the president of China, I think, later this week. Yeah. And that's going to be a very important meeting because he's going to be talking with him about how he's dealing with Korea and the threats down in Korea. And China's not happy that the U.S. is moving in there. But something else that happened the other day is Russia just opened a trade office in China for gold. And there's talk, and there's been talk for the last eight months or so, that China is going to introduce a gold-backed currency to trade in oil between Russia, China, and any other country that wants to join it. And that's something that the U.S. does not like. They do not like anybody trying to, you know, go and take out the American dollar as the as the standard, if you will, for the world for doing it. So there's going to be a lot of discussions going on. China, Russia, U.S., Korea. I mean, we're seeing a lot of it all sort of... Um, bubble at the same time. Uh, A lot of people believe that the Trump administration uh, is really playing with fire by trying to take on North Korea more than the United States already does. Uh, Are we downplaying that threat? You know, it's it's true. Everybody is playing with fire right now. I mean, if they've got nuclear capability over there, you know, one of the things that uh, everybody was concerned about in the U.S. is this test firing of the missiles they've been doing the last yeah. little while of Korea. Now, they're all saying, oh, it's great. Don't worry. They can't reach the, U- reach the U.S. and everything else. Well, guess what, though? They're, they're aiming them and flying them over Japan. And the threat has been that they're going to use them to hit the American bases that are in Japan, of which there's substantial bases over there for doing it. So that's an attack on America. So, yeah, it absolutely is playing with fire. And uh, somehow we're going to have to get this calmed down and dealt with. And the question is, do you do that through diplomacy? Do you do that through military? How are you going to accomplish that? I mean, presumably that's going to be a big topic when Trump meets uh, the Chinese leader. Absolutely it is. And, you know, he has always said, and most people do say, that China is the one that has the most influence on Korea because they do buy products from them and they do ship them food and, and things like that and they help to sustain Korea. So... This is one of the wild cards. And, of course, we still have Russia with uh, the Ukraine and what's going on in Syria. There's still just a – I mean, the risk board for those of us who played the game before has never been more lively across the world. 
which is also a concern because if if you're the U.S., you're looking at uh, multiple fronts that you're, you may have to defend or act, and you have to pick and choose your, your targets for what you want to do. Okay. Uh, Ross McLean, uh, thank you so much for that. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.